Triple H FM Sports in association with Atlas Chartered Accountants. The Post, Hornsby RSL and ISC Sports welcomes you to Splinters, your no-holds-barred sports podcast. And now here's your host, the Raging Bull, Anthony Caruso. Good evening and welcome to Splinters, the bench podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcast.com. Apple Store, YouTube Music, Spotify, iHeart, TuneIn, and all good podcast sites. We do it all for Atlas Chartered Accountants, The Post, The Hornsby RSL, ISC Sport, and Business Plaza. Don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, you can also catch this episode live on Sydney Sports Radio. Anthony the Ball Caruso back with you, and we are continuing our talk of all things cricket. We have this week got the wrap-up of the 2021-22 New South Wales Women's Premier Cricket Competition. Uh, A truncated competition like the men's and the Sydney Shires cricket competitions. But the great thing that we got this year is we managed to get a full season out as much as we could um, and able to see some pulsating cricket, the growth of the competition to new heights and I guess a bit of a direction about where this competition could go. We've got plenty to talk to, so let's get straight into our guests. Joining us first off, the Queen of North Taramara herself, Georgia Lomas Futeran. Good evening to you. Good evening, mate. And hold on a minute. It's head of women's sport now. We've, we've got to get you that are, right. Yes, I believe you have <laughs> been promoted, haven't you? Congratulations. It, it, it's. I had no idea until uh, good old Shane Evans told me. But there you go. I'll take it. But no, fantastic to uh, to be back and talking about one of the sports I hold nearest and dearest to my heart, and of course, that's cricket. Absolutely, and we've you know we've seen the, the women's cricket go really from strength to the strength to the point now where it is now held as the flag bearer of how women's sport should be run. I guess in every facet that can be imagined. Oh, mate, completely agree there. Look, I can I compare my own cricket club to um, to my soccer club, and it's it's not quite there yet. It is building, but it, it's just the staple of um, female competitions at the moment. And when we talk women's cricket, there is no better person to talk to than this lady joining us. Tonight, she knows every story. She knows every in and out that has been happening in the Women's Premier Cricket Competition from the ladies who leg spear. And Mary Constantopoulos, good evening to you. Good evening. Thank you so much for having me. It's It's been a while since we've had you on the show, but um, you've been you've been on to bigger and better things, I imagine, with work as well. But you do manage to get it, keep an eye out, especially a certain team whose home ground is just around the corner from you. Honestly, Dremoyne Oval is just one of my favourite places to watch cricket. I'm so fortunate to live in the area and fortunate enough to be able to walk down there on a sunny afternoon to watch some cricket. Absolutely. And I've, I mean, I've had the experience of playing there uh, myself in a second grade semi-final in the Shires competition. It is a great ground all round. Um, and it's one of those grounds as well that it doesn't matter how hot it may get during the course of the day, you always feel like you're going to have a good day's cricket thanks to that lovely harbour breeze that comes through. There's always a cool breeze in Tremoyne, Anthony. You're absolutely right. Well, let's get into it, ladies and gentlemen. 
We've got the three grades to get through Georgia plus Brewer Shield and the club championship. And it has to be said, when we get into it, you get a sense that there's a bit of a tide shift happening in the competition as a whole. Oh, mate, completely agree. It was a very interesting competition this year. And considering I actually played in some first grade games, definitely got to see uh, the difference, not just in first grade, in all the grades. There is a huge step up in quality of cricket and there's nothing better than to experience it firsthand. Well, let's get straight into it. The umpires, huge ass and strikes back are at their respective ends and it has just ticked over for time. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Splinters. I'm going to kick off tonight with a first grade and Georgia. What we're going to do is we're going to start off with the predictions that we made um, first off. Now, let, we're going to go through them. We're going to talk through them. And I want to get some input from Mary as to what she thought from these as well. But first off, uh, the Bankstown Bulldogs. We tipped them for the top four. How did they end up? Well, Anthony, they certainly ended up in the top four. And they only just made it as well. They were actually, there was a tie for fourth and fifth, but uh, on the points different, they ended up getting just above Manly Warringah. So I think we can classify that as a hit. Mary, it, it was it was uber tight in that I was down at Manly Oval for the last round and Manly, of course, got a, a double bonus point win in their last match of the season. And it was a nice edge to see if Bankstown would actually get up in their match. They managed to do so, but only just. I think it speaks to the quality of the competition in first grade that it came down to that final round and Bankstown were waiting to find out whether they would make the top four. And that's what we want to see. We want to see close finishes, close results and a close ladder. We then go to the next the next team, Georgia. The Campbelltown Camden Ghosts. We tipped them for the bottom three. I, I think we might have missed this one, but not by much. No, we certainly didn't miss it by much. They were only in seventh position by 10 points. So, I mean, pretty close considering, but unfortunately we just missed it. And, and Mary, this is, of course, a club that has had to, I guess for lack of a better term, battle everything. Bushfires in 2019, COVID in 20, uh, f- some f- impact from floods in 2020, then COVID, uh, COVID again, and then the rain last year. The, the ghost just can't catch a trick out at um, Raby. It's certainly been a really difficult season for the ghost, but I think it just speaks to the importance of sport. And while sport doesn't take away from any of those challenges, I know the ghosts are a real community club and a place for the community to come together when going through difficult times. So hopefully, even though they didn't finish in the top four, the Ghosts and the women playing for the Ghosts have really enjoyed their season. The next one, Georgia, I think was almost a lay-down Mazaire. Uh, we called Gordon for the bottom three. It was a hit. It was a question of by how much, but it has to be said, it was a vast improvement on their performance from last year for the Mighty Reds. Oh, it certainly was. And look, I think we can say um, Heidi Cheadle's 100 out at, at Raby. I think that certainly helped boost their morale a little bit as well. But I know I know, we called them uh, for the bottom three. We got that as a hit, but we did miss. We called them for the wooden – you called them for the wooden spoon. Uh, just missed that by two points. So you, you, escaped, you, you escaped that one, mate, just by the skin of your teeth. 
I, I don't know if I'm going to be welcomed down at Chatswood Oval anytime soon after that after that call. But Mary, <laughs> you know, we, we've seen for a while Gordon are on the on the rebuild. They've had a, a massive exodus of players, and it all kicked off really a couple of years ago with the retirement of Lisa Stalaker and Charlotte Anneveld, and it has just continued from there. I mean, how do you replace a player like Lisa Stalaker? She's not only an outstanding cricketer, but has gone on to have a wonderful career in the media. Uh, fingers crossed Gordon can start that rebuild and we see them back towards the top of the ladder soon. This is the one that, that really caused, I guess, a lot of discussion about where they were going to finish up. Their first year ever in the first grade women's premiership, a team made up of young locals, plus a couple of women who had come from the area but had played in other clubs while waiting for this moment to occur. Georgia, Manly Waringa, we called them for the middle third. We th- we thought they needed a year to get themselves settled in before they have a crack at the finals. They missed out on the finals, but, geez, they ran close. They certainly ran close. It was all on net, rate, uh, net run rate as well. Look, I know they just missed out, but... Honestly, I think next year they'll they'll get there. They'll get to that top four, especially now they know what quality of cricket they have to produce in order to get there. They know how Sydney plays. They've played the same for various years, for a variety of years, as have the other top teams. So we definitely know what standards are required to get there now. And, and it's a testament to the club, Mary, about how well Manly have transitioned from second grade into first grade. They won the second grade competition convincingly last year. They've gone on. They've only just missed out on the finals. It has to be said, one or two results going their way against the top three clubs, and they would have been in the finals. And I think possibly the dark horse for the premiership if they made it. Yeah, for sure, Anthony. I think what's really exciting about this Manly team is that they're new and they just seem to get better as the season continues. Started off with two losses, progressed with two draws, and then had a win to finish off their season. So... I think the future is extremely bright for this club. Northern District Rangers, Georgia, we we called them for the top four. It it was a miss. And I I think, to be honest, it was two two things in particular. I think we underestimated how much of an impact some of the players leaving would have, especially the loss of Shivani Mita and Sarah Taylor to Manly and Annika Leroy to Campbelltown Camden. The other issue as well was that they were banking on Stella Campbell being available for them. And as it turned out, when you get picked for the Australian squad, you don't get to see much time at the club level. Yeah, look, completely agree there. Look, we, we, every club uh, sees this if they have Australian players in it. Unfortunately, you don't realise how much time these players are going to spend away from, from your club and just from uh, the North Shore in, in general. So it was quite a bit of a hit that the Northern District Rangers took but unfortunately, you live and you learn. And when you come to choosing team numbers, as I found out this year, you don't include your representative players. They're extras. So hopefully they'll be able to bounce back because I tell you what, they were playing some fantastic cricket uh, the season before. And may they're a force to be reckoned with when all cylinders are firing. One, one positive and one challenge that they had to contend with, Mary, as well, the, the positive that they had is that they've got – the entire Central Coast catchment to themselves to be able to draw numbers from. And some of the women that are coming out of that area is, are starting to grow in terms of quality. The other issue they had, of course, they didn't have 
Uh, Mark Taylor Oval available is being resurfaced. It's still being resurfaced at the moment. Um, so they had to play at Asquith Oval and a couple of times this year, calling out there when those rains came through, it only took so much as a spit of rain and you'd be basically off the field. Sounds like Northern Districts had a lot to contend with this season. Um, but again, positive signs for the future. And as George has said, learning about how to factor those representatives into your team is important. But I'm pretty sure they all would have been really happy to see Stella Campbell out on the big stage for Australia. Yeah, let's just say that when we go and do the uh, the bench challenge and we invite Stella on to bowl, George, I, I don't know how I'm going to respond to that. Mate, uh, <laughs> you suck. I've copped it in the Achilles and it hurts. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I'm not looking forward to this. So, <laughs> Parramatta 2 Blues. We picked them for the middle three. We missed. Um, they ended up finishing eighth. But Georgia, once again, the player drain and one big name in particular who got snapped up for Tasmania. Yeah, Haley Silver Holmes moving all the way down past the Bass Strait to Tasmania and calling it home. Unfortunately, as you, as we say, if, if you have a big name and they carry the club and they leave, well, then you, you're going to struggle quite a bit as well. As we saw, they're in the bottom three. I mean, 10 points above second second last, but still that, that is quite a big hit to face, uh, especially, you know, coming into second grade, annihilating the second grade competition for years and then coming up to first. You, you do expect a little bit more, but... That's the way the cookie crumbles, unfortunately, in cricket. And that was a big thing, Mary, as well, is that jump from, we've seen it a number of times normally, that jump from second to first grade, it is a big leap in women's cricket. Yeah, it absolutely is, Anthony. We were talking about the standard of this competition earlier. First grade is of an exceptional standard. So, yeah, absolutely a big step up from second grade to first grade and the same from third grade to second grade too. The Penrith Panthers, well, Georgia, I think we all got caught with our pants down on this one. Mate, I, I got bowled out on a hat trick in this game, so of course I got caught with, with my pants down there. But no, fantastic team, uh, fantastic morale on the out, out in the field as well, all looking after each other. They did fantastically this season, and I tell you what, when everything was going right, it was going right. And just talking to their coach in Ron Woods, they sound like they have had a huge rebuild and they are raring to go for, the, for next season. They were, Mary, the big surprise packet this year. What a performance it was from the Pink Panthers. And they really have put a shot in the arm for cricket, not only just for Penrith, but for Greater Western Sydney, considering how much the men's Premier Cricket Clubs in Greater Western Sydney have struggled. It's great to see and, and I'm really glad that, you know, the two of you got one of your predictions so horribly wrong because it shows that, you know, this is an exciting competition and that there is opportunity for teams to finish almost anywhere on the ladder. So congratulations to Penrith on an amazing season. A couple, the next couple were absolutely no surprise, Georgia, and we'll go through them very quickly. Uh, the, Pen the St. George Sutherland Slayers and the Sydney Tigers, we both called them for top four and no surprise, that's where they finished up. Oh, mate, those two teams are a force to be reckoned with, both fantastic to watch. And uh, I must say, I played in two games against Sydney and unfortunately I didn't get to play in St. George in, uh, against St. George in first grade. 
But Sydney, just the way they carry themselves out in the middle with Sammy Jove is amazing to watch. He is such a leader, uh, as is Marianne Henderson and all the other senior players. So they've certainly got a great club um, atmosphere going. And honestly, playing against them in Ann Mitchell Day was such a fantastic game. I know it didn't go our way, but just to be playing against that level of cricket, man, set some standards for a for Sydney women's cricket, don't don't I say? Oh, absolutely, and it's a special, always a special day um, down at uh, Dromoyne Oval for that for that particular matchup. Mary, the we've seen it time and time again. Now the Sydney Cricket Club, the the stand have been for a long time now the standard bearers of this competition. We've seen less and less of their big name of their superstar players. So one of them in particular, rumored to be moving on to join a certain husband at another club, but it can't be said that they don't know how to find talent elsewhere. No, they absolutely do. And I think when it comes to both Sydney and the Slayers, they are clubs that love women's cricket, have invested in it for a long time, and we see the results and where they're finishing on the ladder. We then come to the uh, the the final team in alphabetical order, the university's cricket club. We thought they would um, make it to the big three. Unfortunately, they didn't. But Georgia, it has to be said that um, given the last couple of years, the I guess what you've normally relied on, which is having one or two players coming over to study from abroad, we will see that return likely next year, I take it. Oh, most certainly. Look, we, we get quite a few overseas players uh, writing in and it's fantastic to see all those na- to see those names coming in and of course we do get players from other clubs as well due to the scholarships for uh, elite athletes that we do that University of Sydney have on offer and also UNSW but look we're still in the rebuilding stage unfortunately and obviously it can take quite a bit of time the rebuilding stage to to uh, finally, be over and for the effects of it to, to take place. But unfortunately, it just wasn't our season. But I tell you what, playing first grade, it was such a fantastic atmosphere to feed off Rachel Treneman and Jade Allen and all the other names. It was just amazing. And I honestly felt like I was a young whippersnapper again uh, in, in that team. I was learning so much from them, even after playing cricket for over 10 years. And, and Mary, we saw universities at their best. They get the, they have a one or two players that come over on the international scholarships. They end up making a very big impact on the club. The one that burns brightest for me over the last before COVID hit was one Beth Heath, who's now knocking on the door of a of a position within the Lioness squad. It is really exciting, and I think you know taking it a level above. If I think about the WBBL, that's one of my favourite things in that. We get so many wonderful international players and now when Australian players on the international stage, those players are so much more familiar to me and it makes it just a wonderful spectacle. Well, let's go to the grand final plus the replay that occurred in Georgia. We almost got a result in the main game that was to be played at Dromoyne Oval uh, with the toss being won by Penrith who elected to bat. And it has to be said, even though the rain came in, it was on a nice edge. Oh, that that game was ridiculous. It was absolutely ridiculous. Shane Evans, our 
fantastic care to sport was watching the weather, watching the umpires breaking it, breaking down for us what was going to happen. And he was the one who said they're they're an overshot, and everyone just kind of looked at each other, and went, "Oh man!" But look, it was a fantastic game. Unfortunately, it did have to be replayed. Unfortunately, we also weren't there to be able to call the replay as well. But I did see it on social media. I am friends with quite a few of the Tigers uh, through the senior players and obviously the various um, committees that we all are a part of. But, look, congratulations to Sydney. They did a fantastic job. And, of course, they have some key bowlers and some key batsmen. And, honestly, it came off very well that day. Yeah, the, we talk, we, we sort of saw had a glimpse of it on the, the main game. But, Mary, everyone was sort of looking at what the likes of Naomi McDonald, Jody Hicks, or Sammy Joe Johnson was going to do. But in that replay, it was Nell Bryson Smith who stole the show. It sure was. And I think Nell has had a wonderful season. And as you said, there were some big names there for the opposition that we were expecting big things from. But it really was Nell that came in and stole the show, wasn't it? Six for 18 off 10, if you don't mind. I mean, I, I, I have never taken six wickets in, in, a, in a match in my own career. So, so Nell is officially a better cricketer than I am. So, um, and then with the bat, they obviously did it, it did it easy. What was fascinating, Georgia, and we've got it here for us. You want to take us through that the situation was with Duckworth Lewis if they managed to get that 15th over in? So the situation around the uh, application of Duckworth Lewis, it was it was incredibly tight as well. We were watching it on the scoreboard. So if no runs and no wickets, wickets occurred after the completion of 15 overs, Sydney would have won by two runs with a revised target of 39. However, the loss of another wicket in the 15th over would have meant that the target for Sydney to be in front would have been 49 putting Penrith in the box seat. This just goes to show how close this game was. Now, everyone loves a close game for a grand final, not if you're playing, that's for sure. But I know certainly spectators do. And Penrith would have been one wicket away from tipping that Duckworth-Lewis equation in their favour, and it would have been in a big way. Do not talk to me about close grand finals. I still... (laughs) <laughs> have flashbacks to our fourth grade Shires grand final from a couple of years ago. The one where we managed to score 250 and only won by five runs. Should have like, gotten them out. That's just, that's, sorry. I should, yeah, good on you. <laughs> That'd be, you should have, yeah, good on you. Um, the collapse of 734 and of of Penrith in that, in that uh, replay game. And Mary had to be said two big wickets that uh, Nell Bryson Smith um, swept up as part of that run. Sorry, I think Hello, you Mary. repeat that one for me. Sorry, oh, I'm yeah. here. I'm here. That's okay. Um, going to that replay again, it was the Nell Bryson Smith show, and she caused the collapse of seven for thirty-four. But it was the two big wickets that she claimed in particular that really turned the game on its head. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I loved watching Nell and those two wickets that she took, absolutely, as you say, crucial to the final win. Feeling for Penrith a little bit. They had such a wonderful season. I imagine that grand final replays are pretty tough to compete in as well. 
going through the top 10 players in the in the competition, let's go to the batters first off. And we're going to start off, Mary, with I think one of the biggest success stories is the young girl who finished first in the batters charts, someone who was dropped two years ago from a Cricket New South Wales contract because they thought that she was just a bowler. Well, how she has proved the selectors wrong. She sure has. Saskia Hawley from Manly, 646, an average of 92, and a strike strike rate or average? Sorry. Not average. That's an average. Average. Let's do an average of 92.29. And I think I got confused there because that's amazing from Saskia. And a woman that I've had the chance to watch plenty of um, cricket from over the years. So good to see her at the top there and by a pretty considerable margin, might I say. Indeed, Georgia, over two very established players in the competition for some time in Rhiannon Dick and Naomi McDonald. Yeah, and look, both players extremely strong, but obviously they they can't compete against Saskia when she's got her eye in, like, what was it, like three or four consecutive hundreds in games. Absolutely ridiculous. I don't know how someone's body recovers that quickly to be able to do it again. Uh, but look, just amazing cricket. and extremely extremely grateful for her to get her her um contract back for cricket new south wales as well back into the lenlace breakers when uh when everyone was away or, or having children or injured so fantastic to see her firing on the uh in the state level again and you mentioned her before we're going to mention it again georgia our good friend here on Triple H Sports, she pops in every now and then. Heidi Cheadle, 397, her best season in New South Wales Premier Cricket with the bat. Oh, agreed. She was fantastic this season. I know she was pretty consistent with the 50s and 60s, but that final century from Heidi was amazing to see on my cricket. And it's actually um, landed her with a role in county cricket over in England now. So she's over there at the moment and having a ball behind the stumps is from what I can see on social media. Correct me if I'm wrong, she's been snapped up for the Irish team as well, hasn't she? I believe she may have, actually. I feel like I I did see something about that. Yeah, well, she's not the only international there, of course, because Mary, we know that Saskia herself has now been snapped up for the Scottish national women's team. It's brilliant. I love to see women playing all over the world. And, you know, it'll be wonderful to see those women playing for those teams. We then go to the bowling charts and a couple of the usual suspects ending up there, Georgia, in the likes of Samantha Devlin, Rhiannon Dick, Kira Churchland, Nell Bryson-Smith, no surprises there, along with Sammy Joe Johnson. But Emil, Ebony Hoskin, the big surprise packet. Ebony Hoskin, I haven't seen much of her uh, through throughout the years. So for her to be 19 wickets in first grade, that is amazing. And look, congratulations to her because Campbelltown, I know they may not have performed as well as they would have hoped. That just goes to show who was putting in uh, a lot of effort in, in, in the games, but, you know, a fantastic individual effort as well. And Mary, what a story behind Rhiannon Dick, retired from uh, first-class cricket, sort of just losing a bit of her passion. It took a move for her over to St. George Sutherland to rediscover her love of cricket again. What do you think the chances are of a late career recall to the WBBL? 
Why not? I mean, we've seen it happen with other players. They've gone away and come back even stronger. Even if I think about the likes of Rachel Haynes, who had some time away from the Australian women's cricket team, and Rachel is one of the star performers now. So to see Rhiannon dominate not just the batting but also the bowling wouldn't surprise me at all if we saw her back. Well, ladies, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to cover the rest of the grades here. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a Splinters the Bench podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcast.com, Apple Store, YouTube Music, Spotify, iHeartTuning and all good podcast sites. We do it all for Atlas Chartered Accountants, The Post, The Hornsby RSL, ISC Sports and Business Plaza. We'll be right back. It's time for the crew to catch their breath. We'll be back after this short break. Do you think the government deserves more of your hard-earned money? If not, make sure you talk to Atlas Chartered Accountants. Atlas Chartered Accountants makes sure the money you earn stays in your pocket through legal tax planning strategies, from finding that last tax deduction to tax-effective business structures for asset protection purposes so you can invest in what really matters, your family and business. Visit their website at ihatetax.com.au. Atlas Chartered Accountants. They are dedicated to you and dedicated station sponsors of Triple H 100.1 FM. Hornsby RSL Club, your perfect place to catch up with friends and family. With dining options ranging from modern Australian favourites in the courtyard, authentic Asian cuisine from Keku, or delicious wood-fired pizzas from Level 1, there is something for everyone to enjoy. Join us weekly for entertainment activities such as trivia, meat raffles, bingo and free live music, or grab some tickets to see one of our first-class entertainment acts in the showroom. Thinking of holding an event? Let our friendly events team guide you through every step to create the perfect event for any occasion. Visit our website at hornsbyrsl.com.au for further details. Hornsby RSL Club, proud sponsors of Triple H. Want to look your sporting best on and off the field? Then make sure you get kitted out with ISC Sport Teamwear. ISC Sport are Australia's leading name in custom sports uniforms with a wide range of sportswear tailored to your team's needs. 100% Australian-owned and fully customisable, ISC Sport cover all four winter codes and cricket, basketball, netball and hockey, as well as training and outerwear, ensuring you look the part when representing your community. As Dom Rizzuto would say, look sharp and play pretty with ISC Sport. Visit their website, iscsport.com, for more information. ISC Sport, official clothing partners of Triple H 100.1 FM. Streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au. Bowling is back in Hornsby. The Attic offers a 10-pin bowling experience like no other with Australia's first ever augmented reality scoring experience that will take your game to a whole new level. With a selection of traditional and custom-built arcade games, the Attic Entertainment Precinct is complete with a bar and lounge area to keep you entertained for hours. Specialising in kids' parties and celebrations, the Attic at Hornsby RSL Club is perfect for your next special event. Whether it be an afternoon out with the kids or a night out with friends, it will be an unforgettable occasion that will bowl you and your guests over. Visit our website, theattichornsby.com.au for more information. The Attic, proud sponsors of Triple H. Welcome back to Splinters, your no-holds-barred sports podcast. 
Welcome back to Splinters, the Bench Podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcast.com, Apple Store, YouTube Music, Spotify, iHeart, TuneIn and all good podcast sites. We do it all for Atlas Chartered Accountants, The Post, The Hornsby RSL, ISC Sport and Business Plaza. Anthony the Bull Caruso with the head of women's sport for Triple H, Georgia Lomas Fitterin, and our special guest, special guest, Mary Constantinopoulos from the Ladies Who Leg Spin podcast. And we're going to continue on with our wrap-up of the New South Wales Women's Premier Cricket Competition for season 2021-22. And we're going to continue on with the second grade competition. Georgia, your home competition, as it were. And it was a fairly similar story with some of the clubs in terms of the positions high up. Sydney and Bankstown in particular within the top four, and Sydney just looked unstoppable. Oh, mate, they certainly do. And I tell you what, they have a wealth of players to choose from up through the grade. So if someone goes and represents someone else, they they have someone of equal or more quality to replace them. So you can't really catch a you can't really catch a break when uh, when the Sydney Tigers are around. But hey, it just goes to show how much work they've put into the club, and it's awesome to see. And yet, Mary, finals cricket does funny things to people. It absolutely does. So when you're playing finals, it doesn't really matter where you finish on the ladder, right? Because uh, as we saw, upsets can happen at any point during the competition. And they did this time because the previously unbeaten Sydney Tigers in the competition dumped out by Bankstown. Mary, what happened in this game? Anthony, I really don't. Just an absolutely incredible performance from Bankstown. Finishing fourth on the ladder significantly behind Sydney and they were able to defeat them on the day. Georgia, Bankstown, all out for 89. The the sister of Nell Bryson-Smith, Grace Bryson-Smith, chipping in with three for 15. You would have thought for all money, that's all she wrote for Bankstown. Yeah, nah. I mean, Sydney certainly made them work for for those um, for those runs and wickets and everything. Every, everyone had to use every inch of power and ability in this game. There was no um, no leeway whatsoever. But look, congratulations to Bankstown on that win to um, undo Sydney Tigers and all the hard work they'd put in throughout the season. But I tell you what, yeah, you win a semi final, but. Um, it doesn't really help when the final gets rained off twice. Well, I mean, it has to be said, and we'll come to the grand final in a moment because the the other semi-final between Northern District and Parramatta expected to be a much closer game played out at probably one of the better grounds in the in the um, in the Sydney area. And Bruce Purser Oval all the way up in Rouse Hill, of course, Georgia. Uh, you go, of course, there are two things you do when you do when you go to play up there. You go play a good game. Bruce Purser Oval, and then you end up knocking off to the mean fiddler afterwards. Oh, mate, don't mind if I do love a bevy after a game. Especially, especially, <laughs> the especially, especially at the Fiddler. Oh, especially at the Fiddler on Rouse Hill. Can we have more games out there. I want to play there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, I've had some fun times at the, at the Fiddler. Um, Northern District got <laughs> absolutely <laughs> rocked. Oh, no, 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 no. The less said, the better. Um, Northern District all out for 111 and Parramatta, Georgia, they did it easy. Parramatta, they always seem to do things very easily, no matter how hard it looks. 
Um, we've played a few games throughout Parramatta. Unfortunately, I don't think we got to play them this year. We were scheduled to play them in the last round. Evidently, the last two, three rounds, maybe even four, got called off due to a good old La Nina. But, look, they, they have some very strong hitters at Parramatta and they have amazing wicket takers as well. They have Renee Hebden, who's a, a former universities player. They have Melissa Halton, who seems to do it easily with a very minimal action as well. Before you know it, your stumps are out of the ground and you're standing going, where did the ball go? But, look, fantastic effort by Parramatta. Unfortunately, 111 on the board for Northern Districts just wasn't enough. And Parramatta able to achieve that in 32.5 overs. Unfortunately, then, Mary, the two grand final, the grand final and then the replay both got washed out. And I, I can't for the life of me understand why you would pick to play them at two at probably the weaker grounds around in terms of drainage. The first one being Maryland's Oval and the second one not far from where you live down at Rothwell Park. Just a real shame for the competition, to be honest. I mean, we've seen the impact that La Nina has had on cricket throughout the country this summer. And unfortunately, cricket is one of those sports that if there's rain, then there's no play. So as a result of that, Parramatta ended up walking away with the second grade premiership. From third place. From third place. (laughs) Oh, you just, you love to see it sometimes, don't you? Um, going through the top ten plays in the in the grade there, and the, 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 there's a couple that really do stand out for mine. You've mentioned for Georgia first off, Melissa Holton um, picking up 17 wickets at 11.29, a brilliant performance from her. A couple of the young players really coming through. A couple from Man, one from Manly, a couple from Gordon that really did stand out. Uh, Natalie Giot for Manly, Olivia Callahan, and Grace Keating for Gordon. Yeah, Grace Keating, fantastic youngster. She, uh, The Keatings were actually part of universities as well until UTS North Sydney was up and running. But, look, they're fantastic players to play against. Love them to bits. Great family too. But uh, it just goes to show the quality of cricket that second grade is producing because if you look at all these wickets, there isn't much between them. It would have to be the economy um, in between all of the, all of them. But there's a couple of familiar names in there as well. Danielle Shivers from Northern Districts, a friend of mine and I'm sure a friend of the show as well. But also a mate of yours, Christy Crawford in the bowling. Hello, sneaking in there. Indeed. And Mary, what a story this is. Um, Christy Crawford, of course, came across to start playing cricket for Manly, the first time she'd ever played. She took the game up at the age of 33. After semi-retiring from Manly United, she's now Manly's highest run scorer and I think she's close to, if not Manly's highest wicket taker and got rewarded mid-season with a call up to first grade. They are the stories that I love to hear and maybe we'll see Christy a little bit more in first grade next year as Manly continues to build. There you are, Georgia. My my uh, my tutor apparently is uh, has got a mention now. As you as you <laughs> girls love to pay out on me for. No, we love you, Anthony. You know oh, that. Yeah, I, why do I not believe that? <laughs> um, it's a it's a great competition there, and a and a great performance all all around in that regards. We're going to move on to third grade now. Uh, of course, for those who don't know, this this competition is played on AstroTurf on the Saturday, and is a great opportunity 
to Georgia to really give the girls in Brewer Shield an opportunity to play against all age women's as well as part of their development. Oh, agreed. And I tell you what, playing in third grade this year, I was mainly playing to uh, help out with numbers, but it was amazing to see all the youngsters coming in, having a blast, the smiles on their faces. And it just goes to show the quality um, of cricket that they can produce. Look at universities, our top run scorer and our player and our champion player of third grade was a Brewer Shield player. So it is amazing to see and just to see the different qualities amongst the clubs and um, of juniors nowadays as well, obviously with more pathways, more coaching, more development. Mate, I am going to have to work a lot harder for my spot in uh, first and seconds next year, that's for sure. And the big story to come out of this competition, of course, Mary, is that this is a competition that's been dominated for years by both St. George Sullivan and by Gordon. This year proved to be no different. And once again, we've seen that, that finals trophy change hands between the two clubs. They've been absolutely standouts when we come to this level. But Anthony, I think the other big talking point was just how much cricket was missed in this competition, particularly during the finals. Yeah, absolutely. Not a single match of the finals played. Um, Gordon managed to get on the field at Olds Park um, before the match was abandoned and then it just went all tails up. And, of course, with the, I guess, the unusual scoring pattern with this, Mary, St. George Sutherland managed to win the premiership despite Gordon winning more matches. A little bit like Parramatta in the grade we were just talking about, Anthony finishing third and, and managing to take out the competition. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so going through some of the, the big-name play, the players that performed Georgia in this competition, and the, the, one, the first one that comes to mind in terms of going through is some of the, some of the young girls through is uh, Amy Gibbons and Hetty Blackburn from UTS North Sydney, two of the girls who double up in, North, in Brewer Shield and in third grade, but Amy Gibbons in particular, I believe has actually been picked up for the New South Wales women's under 17s. Ooh, she's got a busy off season and pre-season coming up. That's for sure. But look, all those players as well, Kirsten Dorsch been performing fantastically for quite a few years. Nikita Paula, lucky to get uh, back into third grade. I believe she was actually a restricted player last year. So missed out, didn't get to play in thirds and of course Renee Hoff of um of Manly look Manly still fantastic at third grade cricket even though a couple of players have moved up but look it's so nice to see those young players up on the board and showing us seniors how to do it because um I went out there thinking I'd score a 50 every game and I'm pretty sure I made a handful of runs (laughs) And one other one other name that appeared there and even chipped in with the the ball, just helping out with some of the younger girls, Erica Cox, Mary, who's been around forever and a day, and a day along with the the stalwart Jess Henry. It's great to see, and I think that comes back to just a real love of cricket and those women continuing to play, playing a role in their club, and mentoring the next generation coming through. A competition coming up now, Georgia, that you hold dear to yourself is the Brewer Shield, the under-18s. And it's just great to see that they've been able to resurrect this competition once again, and we've been able to see it become highly competitive once again. 
oh, my Brewer Shield, I hold it near and dear to my heart after last year. Unfortunately, universities weren't able to field the team. But it gives me great pleasure to finally be able to dig out those trophies. I went into Sydney University and dug out the Brewer Shield uh, Player of the Year trophies today. They're all sitting next to me. They're ready to go for presentation night. And, mate, our, our university's team, they had a ball. I know they were bottom of the table, but they absolutely had a ball. Love being around one another, and they made some fantastic friendships. But, of course, can't go without we can't go without saying Sydney, St George, Manly, and Manly Warringah, and, of course, Penrith topping the competition. Solid cricket, solid development, and amazing cricket just played all around. And uh, we're going to see some, some of these players becoming stars of the future, Mary, because obviously this competition is where you get to pluck the best of the best. They're going to be coming forward. And that St. George Sutherland team were absolutely outstanding in the grand final with runs all the way down the line. Absolutely. And I think, um, I'm not going to compare them to the Australian women's cricket team, but that's another team that has a very, very strong batting lineup and a lineup that goes deep. And we saw that from the Slayers in the grand final. And I'm looking forward yeah. to seeing a couple of these young women come through and hopefully compete in the WBBL very, very soon. We need to mention one name in particular, Annika Carlson, uh, who has got a great future ahead of her, Georgia. She did pick up the player of the final, scored 28 not out of 26 at the end of the innings, two for nine, and I believe she's already on the radar for first grade for the Slayers. Oh, mate, sign her up as soon as possible. It's amazing to see those youngsters move up the ranks so quickly as well. And if possible, I encourage any club to do it because it's amazing to have them just around the group as well, Uh, the different mentalities of players, maybe different uh, approaches that the senior players have as well. So I know especially at unis we uh, we get get in and amongst it and we, we change it up at training. We go down earlier, the seniors players, and hang around with the uh, with the Brewers. And it's just, it's great. It's a great atmosphere to have the young players in and amongst the seniors because it really shows them what way through the club uh, is the way and the way that they may want to do it. So it's always fantastic. And, oh, the motivation that they bring, it's it's contagious. Can I, I can only imagine how contagious it would be. It would just be great being a bunch, around a bunch of mates playing cricket all the way through the season. The club championship, no surprise that Sydney ended up taking the uh, the premiership once again. Uh, but for mine, the, the big improvers was St. George Sutherland and Penrith. Uh, brilliant comebacks for them this year. Yeah, look, agreed. They uh, were in a bit of a rebuild stage, as we said, last season. So it was great to see them playing amazing cricket all around. And you can almost see it uh, in the way that the warm-ups are run. As well, you know, the coaches kind of sit back and the, the senior players run it. So you can really see the differences out in the middle and, of course, out in the preparations too. But, look, congratulations to Sydney for taking out the uh, the championship trophy again. I mean, they're, they're a club to be reckoned with, that's for sure. And what is it about uh, them in particular, Mary? Like, What has Sydney got going so right for them that they've been able to continue to dominate the club championship? To be honest, Anthony, I think we see it all the way through the grades with Sydney. They're an impressive club. They really care about their women's cricket. And I think if you make the investment at this level, 
not only is it great to invest in women's cricket, but you see the benefits of that all the way through third grade, second grade and first grade. We then move on to sort of some of the discussion points that have come out from, from last year and sort of just asking about where to next. And I want to throw the first question to you, Georgia. Um, mm-hmm. Universities, you know, you're in the middle of your, your rebuild. You've reestablished the Brewer Shield team. So that's a goal ticked off already. We're now starting to see yourselves as well sort of reestablish your links for, with some of the local women's clubs. What work is being done from your side, not only in terms of the local park women's clubs, but some of the grade clubs to try and draw women from their areas as well? Uh, again, it's just making connections with junior clubs. And I know we've started to do that quite significantly throughout the season, especially with Marrickville as well, who's one of our prime feeder clubs. So we had our indoor uh, facilities available to, available to be used. We had a couple of our own players coming and assisting with those training sessions, you know, kind of showing this is what universities has and, you know, leading the way that way. It's just, it's, it's back to grassroots. It's back to connections. And of course, um, networking, which is, which is all part of it, but no, we, we, have done so much work behind the scenes and I know a lot of other clubs have as well and it just goes to show that women's cricket it's on the rise and it's going to continue to rise for years to come the Mary one of the fascinating pieces we had this year was the merger of UTS North Sydney with Gordon for the establishment of their joint venture second grade competition and it brings up the question to ask, are we possibly at a saturation point of clubs within the Northern Corridor? I think it's a really great question, Anthony, and one that I think is really relevant, not just to women's cricket, but to any women's competition looking to grow. There's a really fine balance between establishing teams and making sure that there's enough talent not to dilute the competition. And you're right, there are several clubs in that Northern Corridor and maybe it's time to just, you know, put a bit of a pause on that. The question, yeah, and then the question is going to be, if you do do that, who does it become? And it becomes a very big debating point because as we've seen with the men's Premier Cricket, whenever you talk about consolidation of the competition, you're up in arms because often the first names that are brought up are established clubs or historic clubs Mm -hmm. and they just go, no, you're not touching us extremely difficult and I think that's you know one of the opportunities when you're thinking about growing women's competitions is thinking strategically about where to put clubs because you're right people become attached and these teams become part of a club history and it's very very hard to take that away once it's established. Question for both of you two ladies should the competition next year on its return to a regular format remain a mixture of T20 and one dayers or should we start to see more two-day matches enter the fold? Ooh. <laughs> two days, that's, 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 a, that's a long game. Um, my body barely holds up in a 50-over match. Um, look, I, on it, I don't see two-day matches coming into women's cricket, to be completely fair and honest, um, mainly because, well, we, we look at international cricket, there isn't many... Uh, test matches being conducted for women. It's mainly T20s and one-dayers. So unless we're going to see a lot more test cricket, like the men's format, then then I would see maybe more two-day matches coming in. But until that happens, I think it's mainly going to be predominant, 
predominantly T20s and one days throughout the competition to match the schedule of, of international women's cricket. Mary? Yeah, Jones, I, I tend to agree with you on that point um, in that women coming through these competitions will be aspiring to play in the WBBL um, and we should target the type of cricket we're playing to the WBBL because that's the pathway at the moment. There doesn't seem to be a very big appetite for more women's cricket um, at a test level by the governing nations at the moment, but I'm hoping that that changes because I love watching the women compete in tests. I think they need more opportunity to do so. Um, and Georgia, maybe you and I can have a conversation about that another time because I think it's a bit bigger than this podcast. Oh, definitely, mate. <laughs> oh, look, that, yeah. that's something we would all want to be up to get involved with to sort of talk talk about that that issue going forward. An interesting one for both of you here. Is there a possibility for another aged competition to further accelerate development of women's cricket? Now, uh, in the in the men's Premier Cricket, you see two aged competition. You, of course, got Poitiv and Grey, which is the under-21s competition. You have the AW Green Shield competition for under-16s. Currently, in the women's, we have the Brewers Shield for under-18s. The possibility of another competition moving over, and I think there were discussions previously about Molly Dive moving over to the cap to the governance of the New South Wales Women's Premier Cricket Fold. Well, if, if Molly Dive's moving over, no one forwarded me that email to my president's email address. Um, but look, we, we had the under-15s competition before and unfortunately just it wasn't able to be managed because it was taking too many players out of the Brewer Shield and unfortunately um, that that's you know, a contributing factor that has to be thought of. If Molly Dive mo- does move across to um, the Premier Cricket fold, that would be amazing because, again, gets these players across and, and sees the um, they see the standard of cricket that we have and, again, just encourages these players to continue playing because we know, I've, or I've said it before and I'll say it again, by the age of 17, 49% of females stop playing sport and that is a huge number. That sees so many people dropping out, but that also sees so many players lost for clubs. Um, and, you know, to have this encouragement, to have pathways to keep moving forward for women to continue to see the light at the end of the tunnel, whether that be WBBL, club cricket, or even for Australia and New South Wales, then I reckon we should keep it going no matter how it happens. I think, Georgia, you raised some really great points and it's that beautiful balance between making sure that women have competitions to play but not diluting the existing competitions that we have. Um, So I I definitely echo the comments that you've made. But, yeah, Molly Dive wants to come across. I'm not saying no to Molly. The final question I've got before we wrap up the show is there room for further expansion of the club? We spoke about the Northern Corridor and how we think that there may be a saturation point, but what about around the rest of Sydney? There are currently 11 clubs uh, in the in the overall New South Wales Premier Cricket fold. Could we see an expansion to 12 teams or would we see a contraction to 10? And if we do expand to 12, where do you think that club will come from? And I'm going to throw both of you to make your call. If we do expand to 12, where would that club be? I think for me, I've heard this in the talks before. Uh, There was talks, I know when Manly came into the third grade competition, there was also talk of Mossman coming in and bringing a women's club in as well. 
So I reckon that could very well be the next club. As we said, it is in the Northern Corridor. It does make it a little bit harder, especially for catchment, but that is the one name I've heard being thrown around. So I, I think it could be Mossman. You're calling that's Mossman, Mary? Georgia. Yeah, that's really interesting given how many teams are already in that Northern Corridor. If I look at the sort of geographical layout of Sydney, I wonder whether there's opportunity for another team from the south. I mean, we've got the Slayers down there. Is there appetite for another team from down that way? Or do you decouple the Slayers potentially? Ooh. Could do, or even if Fairfield Liverpool want to bring in a women's team as ah, well. Ah, yes. Now, there's an interesting one because, of course, there is a massive catchment gap um, in that entire channel, really, between what you would call Parramatta Bankstown all the way out to Penrith, really, and down to Campbelltown yeah. Camden. There are there problems. <laughs> there, there are certainly options and that I mean that could be an int- really interesting one and now the only thing of course Georgia you'll want to make sure that happens is you don't want to see an eastern suburbs or a random competitive team come in because that has pretty much become your territory hasn't it uh, I, I don't see that happening if anything Mossman or, um, or Fairfield Liverpool would probably be the next areas because I know especially Fairfield Liverpool area they're either travelling out to Parramatta or to Penrith, so they may they may say, you know, we want to stay close to home. We want to save that petrol on a weekly basis. I reckon that could very well be the next team, if not Mossman. Absolutely, oh, that sounds great. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that is full time here on Splinters. What an honour it was to wrap up the New South Wales Women's Premier Cricket Competition for 2021-22. My thanks, first off, our new head of women's sport, Georgia Lomas Fitterin. Thank you so much for joining us. And we hope you enjoy the rest of your football season for the Barbershop shop group up at Kissing Point. Oh, mate, love that barbershop. And uh, reminds me, I have to write a post for them for Female Football Week next week, so I better get on to that. <laughs> Mary Constantinopoulos, it is a pleasure to have you on once again, and we look forward to you joining us for more calls and podcasts throughout the course of the year. Thanks for having me. Great chatting with you both. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been Splinters, the bench podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcast.com, Apple Store, YouTube Music, Spotify, iHeart, TuneIn and all good podcast sites. We do it all for Atlas Chartered Accountants, The Post, The Hornsby RSL, ISC Sports and Business Plaza. On behalf of Georgia Lomas Funeran and Mary Constantinopoulos, my name's Anthony Caruso. Run harder, run home. Good night. Thank you for joining us for Splinters, your no-holds-barred sports podcast. You can also find us streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcasts.com and all good podcast and streaming sites. 